is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Comcast. And a pleasant good evening, everybody. It's officially the offseason in the National Football League. Teams in their front offices are as busy as ever. Hi again, everybody. Jeff Joniak with you, my broadcast partner from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. WBBM, Tom Thayer on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Tom enjoying some of the fun and sun in Maui. How are the trade winds, my friend? Uh, blowing gently today, Jeff. It's not a bad day. We did have a we did have a little rain for a couple days, but I gotta say today the warm tropic weather has taken over, and which means the surf's probably treating you pretty well. Um, that's why I'm here, Big Jeff. You try to take advantage of a vacation that's going to give you a little activity, and that's what Hawaii has done for me. I come out here and spend a lot of time surfing, and um, and as poorly as I do play golf, I do play a little golf. <laughs> Well, it's our maiden voyage tonight, uh, taking over for Zach Saban, who's done a great job on Bears All Access over the years. So uh, moving forward, it's you and me, Kid, and Jim Miller, the former Bears quarterback, who uh, regrettably cannot make it tonight for the show, but he'll be back next week. Uh, uh, Great to be with you throughout the year now, talking football uh, while you're away at Maui. We talk on the phone about 10 times a day anyway, so this is just a natural progression. Well, you know, the thing about it, Jeff, if we wanted to talk about the entirety of the NFL, there is so much to talk about a couple days after the Super Bowl with all these changes that have been made inside the NFL. But there's been so many changes made inside the Chicago Bears. I think throughout the offseason until the combine and then OTAs, this is what we're going to have a lot of things to talk about. Well, tonight we're going to discuss a little bit about the Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, Nick Foles and the gang from Philadelphia uh, got everybody's attention throughout the course of the postseason. We've got Brian Erlacher elected to the Hall of Fame. We'll discuss that. And in our next segment, uh, we'll be joined by Bears Special Teams Coordinator Chris Tabor, back with the organization, uh, somebody we've uh, respected over the years, Tom, and I just saw him at Soldier Field when the Bears uh, hosted the Cleveland Browns. But we're going to start with the game, the game. And Big Jim Miller and I met a couple of nights in Minneapolis talking about everything that went on throughout the course of the week and worked our way to Super Bowl Sunday. But how about that game? You know, preparation, you know, the weird thing about it is, is all of us assume that the New England Patriots are going to so be so perfectly prepared that it's they're a hard football team to beat, regular season playoffs and even into the Super Bowl that we've seen them compete in so many times. And then you saw a pass slide off the fingertips of Tom Brady. They're trying to get the defense um, off balance, and they did, but they failed to complete the pass. And then so Philadelphia, kid, hey, let's see, let's show you, show you guys a little bit of our own trickery. And then they went and executed the play perfectly to get the touchdown to Nick Foles. So as, as much as you wanted to assume for the New England Patriots, I think the Philadelphia Eagles were prepared for everything they faced, offensively, defensively, and special teams. And then when their defensive line had to come up and make a play at the biggest moment of the game, Graham, rushing over the right guard, was able to come in and get the ball away from Tom Brady. And, Tom, sometimes you just need that one play, and it's always assumed you just need it, you know, in a clutch manner on the offensive side of the ball. But when the game's on the line, the critical plays are made by the pass rushers getting to the quarterback and making something happen, and they made that one play. Not to say they didn't make 
little pressure plays throughout the course of the game. Early in the game, Brady was pressured a little bit, but that one play made a big difference. Well, you know, the shift of personnel, which intrigued me the most, because now if you're an offensive guard, you're getting ready to pass that on a bigger, thicker, slower interior rusher. So now they got Graham, they got Curry, they got Barnett, uh, even Chris Long. They all rush from the outside, and they have a very fast approach in the outside shoulder, the offensive tackle, and get in space. So now they put Graham over the offensive guard. Now the offensive guard's got a little, he has to be a little bit faster out of his stance. He's got to be a little bit faster the space he has to protect but as soon as the defensive lineman got the offensive lineman out of position boom the defensive lineman wins the rep but I guarantee you in the course of preparation the guard didn't think that he was going to be facing the defensive ends when they're into this heavy duty pass rush scenario to me there's never been a game like it and that's regular season included no postseason game in terms of yards and yards you know they compute to points but This was the story, 1,151 yards and the play calling on both sides from Josh McDaniel in New England, but Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Does it give you a snapshot? Not necessarily going to be the same scheme and system, obviously, with the Bears, but he was in Kansas City with Matt Nagy, with Nick Foles last year uh, in Kansas City. Do you think that this is something that Bears fans should be excited about? And the only reason I bring it up, because you can't necessarily compare exact schemes and so forth, certainly with Mark Helfrich helping out designing this new offense, is the aggressiveness. Now, Matt Nagy says he's an aggressive play caller. He's done it only four times in terms of the regular season, but he's an aggressive play caller. Doug Peterson spent the whole week telling everybody he's an aggressive play caller and was going to be aggressive in the Super Bowl, and he was. Right. You know, I think the Bears are fortunate because I think Mitchell Trubisky is a better athlete than Nick Folds, and that's no disrespect to Nick Folds at all. Because when he was challenged with learning the system of Chip Kelly a few years ago, he flourished in that system. And Chip Kelly was able to take of some of his athletic traits. But I think when you're designing an offense around a quarterback and the other moving parts, I think the fear that you can put into the defense's because of the athleticism of Mitchell Trubisky, I think it gives Nagy and Mark Helfrich and even Brad Childers, for that matter, gives all these guys a, 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 a wider starting point because of Mitchell Trubisky's traits he's shown already. So it said Philly special on uh, the SI copy that's come out. That's the front cover of the SI this week, Sports Illustrated. And that, of course, ties into what was explained by Former Bears wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey in the uh, post-game press conference after the win by the Eagles was the Clemson special that we saw just two years ago with Matt Barkley catching Camara this touchdown pass. It became the story. It, it, it's been replayed over and over again, the gutsy call on fourth down, stolen from the Bears' playbook of two years ago. Entertaining. You know, I think... The gutsy thing about it, it just in the last several hours, has been the fact that Nick Foles suggested it to uh, Doug Peterson on the sideline. And then Doug Peterson thought about it for 5, 15 seconds and then said, okay, let's run that play. So I admire the willingness of Nick Foles to kind of think out of the box at that point on the field and considering the down and distance and still feel that they practiced that play well enough during the course of preparation that – they can make sure that there was no, you know, if Nick Folds wouldn't wouldn't have held his spot, if if something a little infraction would have happened and they wouldn't have been successful, then we're talking about a completely different story. But I admire Doug Peterson taking the the suggestion by the the quarterback and respecting it enough to run the play. That's an ex quarterback who knows the game. He's played it in the league. You were you were tied into Doug Peterson, weren't you, with Miami? 
Yes, Doug and I played together for a year, and I used to sit after practice and take snaps with them because Don Shula didn't feel we were doing it well enough in practice, <laughs> so he wanted us to do it after practice. Stickler for details. That's just the way you like it. Coming up next, Bears special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will join the program back with the Bears after seven seasons with the Cleveland Browns. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer on Bears All Access here on Score Sports Radio 670. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score with you until 7 o'clock tonight. Joining us out and about tonight, Bears Special Teams Coordinator, Chris Tabor, good evening, Chris. Hey, how's the the reacclimation to Lake Forest and the Chicago area coming along for you and your family? Oh, it's going great. It's it's, uh, it's great to be back, and it's it's good to see familiar faces and familiar areas, and uh, having some fun. Hey, Tabes, you know, every time a coordinator gets introduced, if it's an offensive coordinator, it's, you know, this guy's a power runner, this guy's a zone blocker, this guy's RPO, defense, he's a 4-3, he's a 3-4 guy. Is there a real description of special teams and what style you are? I think people might say, you know, is he a conservative coach, is he an aggressive coach? Uh, you know, I think that I've always been the on the uh, the idea of, being aggressive, but but play with good judgment. I think it's uh, it's an area. You know, obviously you're setting field position in those things. If you can expose the other team, that's that's what you want to do. I mean, it's. I don't want people going home at night uh, and saying, "Boy, the, the 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 Bears they don't they don't do anything on special teams, and this is a really easy one to play." Uh, you you want to be able to apply pressure on on, on teams and and set set the offense up for a score you know, uh, and set the field position for the defense. So I'm going to say that we're, you know, we're going to play an aggressive style, but be smart while we do it. With that pressure, you have to have players that can apply that pressure in addition to scheme, and, and I believe you have one. I think you'd agree in Tariq Cohen in the return game. Does he weaponize your special teams unit in that regard? Oh, he's an exciting player. I mean, he's a and – and the more that you study him and, and you see the things that he does – uh, with the with the football in his hands, I mean, it's a he's a dynamic guy that uh, that can change the field position. He can set up the score, and he can also score himself. So it's a he's an exciting player, and I'm excited to work with him. Hey, Chris, the last game of the regular season, the Chicago Bears kind of used Tariq Cohen as an influence to get Bryce Callahan a punt catch that returned for a touchdown. How long do those plays stay in your memory bank? Do you have a Rolodex of creative plays according to the um, the talent that you are given in, in, in any year? No, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, you know, you have a system, but within that system you have to be flexible. And, uh, and obviously – be able to play to your player's strengths, uh, but certain plays like that they do take some time. And uh, you know, used to call it the old Johnny Knox play, uh, so to speak, where you know you're concentrating on a, a Devin Hester, and all of a sudden somebody else catches the ball, and and there he goes for the for the touchdown. Uh, a lot of things have to fall in place, but you have to be able to have a lot of things in your arsenal to get to that. And I think. Uh, when you do, it makes it fun for the guys, and, they, and therefore they want to play on special teams, and, and that kind of feeds into the aggressive style that you want to play. 
We're with Bears special teams coordinator Chris Tabor here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with you. Uh, Coach, how much time have you been able to spend, and I'm assuming it's a lot already, just on tape watching and evaluating to see exactly what you have on the roster, at least in terms of signed players coming back? Oh, boy, spent a lot of time on it uh, because, really, that's, that's, that's the heart and soul of the whole thing because, really, at the end of the day, their talents and what they do well, that's going to feed into what you can and cannot do. And uh, so we've, we've spent a lot of time on that. I, you know, you have a perceived notion of the player, but I think until you really get underneath the hood and, and we start meeting with them and you start getting the OTAs and, and watching their skill sets and those type of things, uh, some things I think will be verified. Some things you'll say, boy, I, can, I think I can do this with this guy. And that's, to me, that's, that's the fun part of coaching. Hey, Chris, I remember in preseason this year, we were talking to you on the field about how impressive Jabril Peppers is, the first-round draft choice out of Michigan, in that you were using him on special teams. Every draft choice that comes to the team you're coaching, are they all up into the special teams room? Are they, are they um, accessible for you to use them on special teams? Is that what you've always considered as a coordinator? I think you always consider, but obviously there there's certain picks that probably are not going to play special teams. But I will say this: in the off season, you want to train everyone. Uh, and and as crazy as it, it sounds, I, I remember uh, when we drafted uh, Matt Forte, and in rookie minicamp, he was he was going through the special teams drills, and uh, and we actually said, and I I saw him at a a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, really, you were probably going to be one of the best special teams players. And we just laughed about it because he was—he was—he was really good. But I will say this, all seriousness, when you're when you're training everyone in special teams stuff, you're really you're teaching kids and, and players how to play out in open space, change direction. You're use, you're you're using football skills, and uh, so it, it never hurts the player because obviously it can translate into their skills what they use offensively and defensively. Uh, but you want to train them all, uh, and then obviously as rosters get set and then how they're playing on offense and defense and, and where they're plugged in on the depth chart, that obviously tells you how much you can and cannot play the player. Tabes, it's almost uh, gravy when you get special teams points. Under Lovey Smith, he always would say you get one of those touchdowns in the return game or whatnot, uh, you know, you have a, a much greater chance of winning. It's That's the statistics of football these days. But even from a defensive point of view, forcing a turnover on special teams. I know the Bears led the league in points scored on special teams with 18 this past season. Uh, they were number three in punt return average. Is that a preach point for you about getting that ball out, making a big play on special teams, whether it'll obviously these are obvious is block kicks and so forth, but making those guys play aggressively on coverage? No question. I mean, you, it's, it is. It is set in the field position. You get a turnover, short field, change momentum of the game. Uh, you know, and when you're in the kick return game, obviously when you're returning the ball, uh, they've probably scored. And so you need to shift that momentum back in, in, into your favor. And I think those were, uh, have always been challenges that, that you want to step up to. And, and when you, if a team scores on you and then you get a big return, you flip it right back and, and into your advantage, and, and you can do a lot of things with that and help the team. That's what we want to do. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, but I believe that we can get that done. Hey, Chris, you've achieved incredible success in your life in the NFL. 
You know, I, I was reading an article. I think it was the Akron Journal. They wrote an uh, article about the influence of your dad in his 40 years of high school coaching and then the critique of your brother after games. How has your dad helped you be a special teams coach if he's coaching every element of football? And how important is it to have a brother that's interested in, in your craft um, to give you that evaluation? Oh, it's always good to have. Uh, I think just because, you know, your family members are going to give you a very open and honest opinion. Uh, you know, probably I have to be honest with you. My toughest critic that I have is, is my oldest daughter. Uh, so, you know, I, I got to make sure we do a good job so she doesn't, uh, you know, run me out of the house. But it's, you know, my dad was a huge influence uh, on me. He was a longtime high school football coach and, and he's since passed away, but uh, got back to the Missouri Hall of Fame. But, you know, I, I got into coaching because of him. Uh, I, I was really taken back when I, would see former players come over and visit him, and I could tell how big an influence my dad made on those kids. Uh, and that's why I got into it. Uh, but, you know, when I got into the special teams world, it's, you know, I was always coached offense, whether it be receivers, running backs, or quarterbacks. Uh, when I kind of got into my niche with special teams, I kind of, I'm able to touch the whole team and work with everybody, and, and that's very satisfying uh, for, for me. And, uh, and I always think that the, my dad is in heaven and he's, he's looking down saying, you know, he's, he's proud of his kid. Well, there's a commonality there, and we'll let you go after this, uh, Coach. But Matt Nagy's dad, also a coach, so son of a coach, son of a coach on special teams. And so with that being said, I'm sure these have been conversations that you've stumbled up, maybe even the interview process even. But what have you learned in these several weeks since the hiring about Matt Nagy and the staff he's putting together? Boy, I, you know – Really, all his first impressions are, have, have, have held true. Um, you know, he's dynamic. He has a plan. Um, he's very organized. He understands uh, what this franchise is all about and where it needs to go. Uh, I'm very humbled to, to be a part of his staff and, and to be able to come back to what I call home. Uh, but he's, he's, been re- he's been really good. And uh, I know he's chomping at the bit just like we all are. Uh, for when the players come back and then we can begin to introduce, uh, you know, offense, defense, and in the kicking game. All right, Chris, we appreciate your time tonight. We'll see you over in uh, Indianapolis in uh, the very near future for the scouting combine. Good to talk to you. All right, guys. Thanks for the call, guys. Thank you. That's Bears Special Teams Coordinator Chris Tabor. Coming up next, Tom and I will discuss the election of the great Brian Erlacher in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's all coming up next on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score. Make sure you sign up your child for a fun, non-contact Chicago Bears youth football camp. Brought to you by Gatorade and Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit www.bearscamps.com to save $50 today. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with you on Bears All Access on Chicago's Sports Radio 670. The score here until 7 o'clock tonight. And Tom, I'm sure you went to a few youth football camps yourself back in the day. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was something you look forward to in the summertime, especially when they started Pop Warner football, who started running systems from the high school and stuff. So if you did stay in the same community, you could start that learning process early in life. And, um, you know, growing up as an offensive lineman, it's not always fun to go to camps because you're not there catching passes or making tackles or going through all the fun drills. You're doing all the grunt work. So I think these – 
young kids, um, you know, boys and girls that go on to play football, flag football and all this that have the opportunity to get out there. I, I think it's great fun and it's a great support for my family or it would have never been done. As it pertains to you, you know, it sounds like you're looking for a, a little sympathy that you can get your hands on the ball. But, you know, hold the horn here. You were a tight end as well. Well, no, I'm, I, I don't, but you know, it's, it's hard to take a big kid and encourage them to be an offensive lineman for the rest of their life. It's kind of a, 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 a position you're just born into. And because you don't have the qualities to play some of the other positions, they, uh, that group of players is as important as any group of players on a, on a young football field. But convince an eight year old that you're going to be an offensive lineman the rest of your life running around Pershing field at Pop Warner football practice. I'm sure there was no no twisting of the arm to get Brian Erlacher to play football, even as a young man, because he simply loves the game. That's probably the most underrated aspect of him is his love of football. And even in practice, that man loved going out there and running around with his buddies on the field. That was peace and quiet for him. That was his love. And it, it still remains his love. He's now coaching his own children in this sport. But his Hall of Fame election, to me, the game was outstanding. One of the best games I've ever seen. Arguably, it was the best game I've ever seen since last season at the Super Bowl. But having a chance to cover his Hall of Fame election and, and talking to him at some length on Saturday there in Minneapolis, uh, if you could have seen his face, I mean, just pure joy. And probably some relief attached to it, too. In doing interviews with him in the lead-up to it, he was not sweating it. He was not going to built himself up for disappointment, but he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think we all agree that was certain that he deserved it. Whether he was going to get it or not was another story because of Ray Lewis in the mix, but it proved to be they took the best five. You know what's amazing to me about Brian Erlacher's career, Jeff, is like I just mentioned, when you're an offensive lineman, you know it from the very first day you play football to the last day you ever take your equipment off. You know, for the first three years of Brian's professional career, we are kind of sitting here talking about what position would fit him best. And then you think before he ever got to the Bears, all they were doing was talking about a guy that never had a position, that he played every one of these spots, including returning punts and kickoffs on special teams. And I I think that's what I admire about Brian that turned himself into a Hall of Famer along with the help of his teammates that, you know, for a couple of years in the NFL level, you were still trying to decide where he was going to play. There's You go look at every – Butkus knew he was a middle linebacker. Singletary knew he was a middle linebacker. Bill George knew. You know, all the greatness – of, of those positions, those guys knew where they were going to be from the beginning until the end of their career. But think about it, four five nine forty at 258 pounds of the combine. That brought everybody. And now we don't talk about Mark Hatley. Uh, he's the guy that drafted him, number nine, and saw the vision of his football instincts were natural and his knowledge of the game. And now it's all coming to fruition 13 years in the, in the, in the league and now eligible on the first ballot when you got guys like Aaron Rodgers Call him the smartest player you ever played against. The smartest player you ever played with. Um, had the great determination to be great. And then, you know, he had a sidekick. You know, when you talk about Lance Briggs and you talk about Charles Tillman, two of the guys that were with him for the long haul. You kind of need those sounding boards to, you know, get a little bit of honest evaluation of how you're going about your business, you know, on both terms of Lance to Brian, Brian to Lance. And, uh, you know, I think that was the one of the great things about that decade of Chicago Bear football is, you know, those guys kind of roam that linebacker area and, 
you know, the other players fed off of it, but they fed off of the assistance they were getting from guys like Keith Trailer, Ted Washington, Brian Robinson, all those guys that stood up in front of them. Having a chance to cover the game over the course of the week and all the media sessions and so forth, you get a chance to spend, you know, three days with the team and outside of the, of the big names. So, you, you know, you run into Philip Daniels, assistant D-line coach of the Eagles and the former Bear who played with Erlacher in his 2000 season and, just hearing what the teammates said about him, to me, that's what resonates. The reaction is universal because Brian cared about his teammates more than anything else from day one. He knew everybody's name. If a new guy come in, he'd invite him over for dinner. He'd invite guys that didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving. He'd invite them to his place. So you had Corey Graham. You had uh, Philip Daniels over the weekend. You had Charles Tillman over the weekend. And, and just a long list of guys that played against him all weighed in the same way. They liked facing him because of the competitor that he was. Respected his talent level. Heck, I remember the first time Brett Favre got tracked down from behind by Brian. He turned around and looked over his shoulder like, what the heck just happened? Who hit me? Because he closed the gap so quickly. That's the underrated ability to get from sideline to sideline. Everybody talks in the cover two after the Jerron area when he's dropping 40 yards down the field to defend pass. You know, that's special too. That revolutionized the position in the cover two scheme well, in his first four years, working behind the big hosses up front from Ted Washington to Phillip to Keith Trailer to the late Brian Robinson, he respected that. Brian will never forget a teammate, ever. Well, you mean those, those guys are the saving grace to any linebacker. If you go back and you look at Singletary's Hall of Fame career and you look at McMichael and Hampton and Fridge and Jim Osborne and guys like that throughout his career, you know, that's, that's what makes these guys great competitors. That's what makes them great teammates because they can't do their job with the help of the guys up front. But I remember talking to offensive linemen around the league before they were getting ready to play the Bears, and they were more amazed at Erlacher's speed and the width of the field. Field. Because if you have a combination block with a fellow offensive lineman, you always have to make sure you block the line of scrimmage first, and then you try to sneak up to that second level. By the time they were trying to sneak up to the second level for Erlacher, he was gone so far out of position that they couldn't make the block. So they had to kind of develop new blocking schemes to try to anticipate the angle to, to get to Erlacher, to get to Lance quicker. And it was always funny because you have a conversation with offensive linemen. It's entirely different what they want to talk about when they're talking about the defensive players than if you talk about other defensive players around the league that just admire what Brian is as a player. And those quarterbacks always tried him in that middle, and why wouldn't you, right? You think you have a mismatch, but I think they underestimated until you actually try it to find out his length was such that he could tip a pass and he could get up there. And, yeah, he was 6'4 to begin with. But he could get up there, too, and get vertical and, and bust up a pass down the middle of the field. Try throwing it over his head. You were likely going to run into some problems. Right. I mean, his his defensive radius in terms of when he drops back to his pass responsibilities is incredible because he's got a 35-inch jump, and he is 6'4 with a really wide arm span, and he's able to reach above his head and all this throwing. So, I mean, it is. If you have a tight end, consider him nullified. If you have a running back out of the backfield, consider him ran with. I mean, those are the things that Erlacher do. He's going to match size for size with a tight end, and he's going to match speed with most of the running backs and fullbacks that come out of the backfield in third down play. So I don't think you had to change any style of defense because you had Erlacher in the middle. Just going back to the initial stages of his career, it was just nice they decided on where he fit best in this scheme, and they just left him there because, you know, 
exp- you know, speed it up to now. You got Christian Jones, who's played five different positions in the last four years, and you're still a little bit confused by all that. Well, Pro Football Focus yesterday issued uh, a stat. Brian hasn't played in five years, obviously. That's your eligibility until you get into the Hall of Fame uh, pool, so to speak. So still in the top five for interceptions and pass breakups among inside linebackers from 2006 to 2017. Impact player. We hope to talk to him here in the next couple of weeks. Brian Erlacher, Class of 2018 Hall of Famer. We're going to take another break here. We'll look at what 2018 under new head coach Matt Nagy might look like for you Bears fans out there asking the question. Top there, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Hey, everybody, get the latest Bears news, photos, and videos delivered straight to your mobile device. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app presented by Verizon. Back on Bears All Access, Tom Thayer in Maui. What, 72 and a breeze? That's basically every time I call you, I ask you how the weather is. Do you like 72 and a breeze? 76 and breezy, very good. Awesome place. (laughs) Jeff Joniak with you here on Chicago's Sports Radio 670. The score with you until 7 p.m. Before we start delving in a little bit into what the... Nuts and bolts of a Matt Nagy coach team will look like. Back to Chris Tabor, who's our guest in segment number two tonight, talking about special teams. I, I, I love this quote, and I've heard it more than once now. You know, I want to be aggressive, but with good judgment. And I think just from listening to all the other coaches and what we know from Vic Fangio on the defensive side of the ball, if that's how it's going to be and that's what your philosophy is going in, then Matt Nagy's pitched the right guys to be with him because he's the same way. And, and how do you feel about that statement? Be aggressive with good judgment as it pertains to all three phases moving forward in 2018 and beyond. You know, I, I kind of asked him that question because when I was at the introduction to all the coordinators, that was the way that Chris Tabor took the podium and said, we are going to be an aggressive uh, special teams group. And that's what you want to hear. You don't want to see a special teams group because you got some of the craziest guys on the football team, and you never want to have a passive approach to special teams. You want to have the flyers that get down there and beat the punt returner. You want to have a kickoff coverage that it advises the kickoff returner to stay in the end zone and all the other moving parts but you know Chris Tabor is really learned a lot from coach Dave Tobe the special teams coordinator at Kansas City but he's able to put his own spin on it in the times that we've had to see him in the preseason and regular season games as he is coaching for Cleveland you see a real aggressive personality in Chris and um, he's a he is a, a, an aggressive guy on the field, and I think that's what the Bears fans need to see out of the special teams because they did have a couple hiccups over the last couple years that have come back to haunt the Bears during the course of the games. Tom, uh, Kyle Long, another surgery. I guess he'll have uh, some more before the offseason ends. I uh, just had one last week. I had a chance to talk to his brother Chris Long on Thursday on our last media availability at the Super Bowl, and it was interesting to hear how he described it what he was going through and basically said he was 40 or 50% of himself and still playing games until he couldn't anymore. And he was more proud of him for doing that and putting himself out there and playing hurt than he was in any of his three pro bowl seasons with the bears. That's brother looking at brother through a football lens. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, I think inside the locker room, it's his brotherhood that's as strong sometimes as brothers themselves in a family because that's why Kyle has a lot of respect from his teammates. Every one of those guys watched him come out to practice Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and kind of limp across the field because he wasn't 100% comfortable. But then every Sunday, he was able to tape it up, put his uniform on, and go out there and play because – 
be, until the discomfort just got overwhelming. And then when you start not being able to do your job well enough because of the pain that's, you know, holding you back, then you got to get it fixed because Kyle, he's a young guy. He's a super talented football player. And if he can get healthy again, he's going to come up here and upgrade the offensive line tremendously with the st- with the help of new offensive line coach Harry Hestead. So, I mean, I really, as a Bears fan, as an ex-offensive lineman, I hope the best for Kyle Long because I think we've all seen his upside. If he's healthy, he makes a difference on the offensive line, and then he allows um, everybody to be able to make different decisions in terms of personnel needs. Obviously, the injuries for any player is kryptonite. If you go out there and knowing what you cannot do, but you try to compensate for it, on tape, it'll show. Somebody's going to see it. They're going to exploit that weakness in your game. Mentally, I'm assuming that's one of the more difficult prospects for a guy to get ready for a game, especially if he's going to play somebody of note on the other side of the ball. It'd be like you going up against Reggie White, but he had a bad neck, had a bad labrum, still going out there. Do you think this will make him a better player moving forward if he can get these things where he's not dealing with pain and he's losing some of his strength during the season last year, getting his strength back and being that powerful, strong guy we know. If, if you can return Kyle to pain-free, you're going to see an incredible change in him as a player because he's more experienced now than when he came in the league. You get him healthy again, and we've seen what he can do with his talents when he is healthy. You know, back in my career, I had a year where I tore the plantar fasciate in my foot. And every Sunday, I would have to get these extremely painful shots in the top, the top and the bottom of my foot to go out and play the game. That stuck in my mind throughout the entire course of the week leading up to those couple minutes that I had to get these shots in my foot that were so painful. So it was the needle. The needle was the issue. you're right, Jeff, and I thought about it all week. And I think, I think Kyle, when you go out there and you do have a discomfort and you're going to try to go out there and do a really physically challenging job on Sunday, it's in your mind all week because, you know, okay, I have to pull on this play. I have to push off my right ankle and then make an extreme cutoff field. And every one of those little things create pain in my body. It's hard not to think about it. So I, for me – selfishly and to see for we got to see what Kyle is capable of doing when he's healthy. I hope he gets healthy again and comes out and come out here and he's the crusher of the NFC. Right. I want him healthy. I, you know, I know everybody's going to want him back right away. Certainly you'd want him to be back and everybody hits the ground running with your starting five offensive linemen all through training camp into the regular season and onto the playoffs. But I want him completely healthy. It makes a difference in his game and his, in his mental uh, ability to handle all that because he's he gets I mean that's frustrating for a guy like him so you can't help but look at the game on Sunday and I know I've had Bears fans talking to me about this texting me about this they got real excited about watching Doug Peterson call plays for his quarterback and his quarterbacks Carson Wentz when they played the Bears I think you and I agreed at that game in Philadelphia we thought they were a team with nary a weakness and strong in all three phases, and at the time, I felt they were the best team in football. Then they had tragedy with the injury to the quarterback, but it wasn't as tragic as it turns out to be. Nick Foles is your Super Bowl MVP. Coming from that Kansas City system, you had a lot of like-minded thinkers out there, but can you extrapolate what you've seen in Kansas City to Philadelphia and what the Bears might throw on the field in 2018? You know, I, I think it's um, doing Doug uh, Peterson a disservice if we only talk about his success attached to his time with Kansas City or Philadelphia with Andy Reid. 
because I sat in the same meetings with Doug Peterson that were being led by Don Shula. And now Don Shula is teaching us everything that he's known throughout his career. And you sit there and you take notes. Now you move from Don Shula to the Green Bay system. You're an assistant coach there or a, a, a backup player. There's Brett Favre. And now you're learning that system. And I think Doug Peterson is a smart enough coach that when he started coaching high school, he ultimately set his sights on wanting to coach in the NFL. So he's able to rehash all this information that he's learned from all these great head coaches that he's played for throughout his head career as a player, and then learn even more as an assistant coach when you're developing game plans, you're developing strategies, you kind of look at your opponent and try to decipher where their weak point is and how to attack that. So everything that Doug has been able to learn as a, as a good player, as a backup player, and as an assistant coach, you see every one of those elements in his game plan. And I think that was going to be interesting with Matt Nagy. I think he, he, I think he's got experience throughout his whole life that he's going to be able to put in motion as a head coach for the first time in his life. Well, I like that they're putting as many resources as possible from a coaching point of view to get Mitchell Trubisky to develop quickly and responsibly, effectively, and hopefully on the way to the playoffs and the Super Bowl during his time with the Chicago Bears because the Eagles have coaches like that. Frank Wright going to interview for the now vacant head coaching job of the Indianapolis Colts, their offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, John Filippo was interviewed by the Bears. Highly prominent offensive mind as well. His quarterback coach, he may land an offensive coordinator job somewhere or maybe stay in Philadelphia in the same role. So a lot of resources, not to mention. Schwartz too. Jim, Jim, yeah, Schwartz, Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator. Absolutely. All right, back for one more segment with Tom Thayer. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is orchestrated by CDW. CDW, people who get it. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, remaining moments with Big Tom out in Maui here until 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, thanks to, hey, Tom, we can't do this alone, right, my friend? So thanks to Tony Gill and Herb Lawrence helping us out of the board tonight. Our maiden voyage together. Hope it's a fun time. Talking Bears football, talking NFL football as we get closer now to the scouting combine. We get closer to free agency and, of course, the NFL draft because for all the coaching changes that are made, Still need some players, Tom. Still need some additions to this roster. I, I think it's going to be an amazing draft because there's never been more coaching turnover, I think, in the NFL, especially in the NFC, than this year. So we're going to have to look at the coaches and how they pick and how they evaluate. What styles of offense, defense, and special teams are they going to run? How will it affect the draft, and how will guys move up and down the draft according their, to their accomplishments at the Combine? And for the college players – that are getting ready to go to the combine. There's never been a more nervous time of preparation in your your entire sports life. And so I, I think it's going to be awesome to pay attention to the results of the combine, how they fit with all the new coaches within our division, and how they fit specifically to the Bears and what do you need the most. Where where are the Bears hunting for in their first couple picks, picks that need to help this team? What do you think? Well, I, you know, you kind of list them. Um, but to me, my two uh, two most important positions right now are probably outside linebacker and wide receiver. 
Um, I, I need to get those positions solidified. I know, you know, Willie Young, how is he going to recover? Leonard Floyd, how is he going to recover? You know, you got Sam Macho, Pernell McPhee, but I think you got to put some youth into that outside linebacker position. And I, I think it'd be, you know, you finally you have the same coordinator that's been around here for a couple of years, and he's been a big influence on changing players' careers. So I, I think they have a good group of veteran coaches on the defensive side to get evaluations from those coaches you know covering all these Super Bowls that you know I have over the years you know the teams that have the rotation up front are the ones that I admire the most defensively guys that could start on other teams but are in a rotation where guys are not playing 70 defensive snaps in a game or 60 defensive snaps they may be playing 25 to 35 and they're keeping them fresh and rotating them in creating havoc for quarterbacks because that's what you want to do if if you learn anything from this particular Super Bowl and I know everybody is going to think okay so what do you have to do to slay the, the king now, in this case Philadelphia, and that is to put pressure on quarterbacks and have as many defensive backs who can make plays on the ball as possible because there's a lot of different ways now. I use this word often, weaponized, but they're weaponized because they spread the ball around. they got three running backs to make impacts in the passing game, which is a huge thing in this particular offense that I think Matt Nagy and uh, Mark Helfrich are going to put together, Tom, is making sure those backs can make plays even in the end zone on a 35-yard wheel route because those wheel routes are deadly if you get the right matchup. And those are the types of things that I think you'd like to see. So you're talking defensive. Yeah, you got to put pressure on the passer. you got to have a guy that's going to demand a double team to create lanes for everybody else, and you got to have guys who can cover. You know, speaking of the Bears defensively quick, you know, I I need this two guys, Eddie Goldman and Jonathan Bullard. They need to start playing with the experience, like the experienced veterans they have become in their short time. But we also see signs of explosiveness by both of them, that every single play that they have a chance to play in the game, they got to be explosive plays. They got to require double teams. They got to get upfield and disrupt the opponent's offensive backfield. And I think those two guys have skill, but if the Bears are going to get better. It's going to be because a couple of their own draft choice have really gotten over the hurdle and start playing like quality veterans that we saw from Philly, we saw from Minnesota this year, and other teams around the league. And then when you know when you're talking about the offensive side of the ball, I think one of the most interesting interesting things about coming to the Bears as an offensive coach is you got Jordan Howard. You got um, Adam Shaheen, you got Mitchell Trubisky, and you got Tariq Cohen. Boom, you just got four guys. And when you watch the Kansas City offense throughout the season, those are the playmakers of that football team that allow the other guys to have success too. Quarterback position, the running back they had in Kansas City. Those pieces are in place for the Bears. So if you can get a couple more, then you can shore up the offensive line and that depth. You're talking about uh, an offense that should be as explosive as any offense within the division next year. Now that everything has been decided and it's out of the offseason, good chance now to take a snapshot of the division, too. Today, the introduction of Matt Patricia as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Um, he's going to keep Jim Bob Cooter, it appears. Paul Pascaloni's coming over there, and the former Bears uh, assistant coach on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you got Aaron Rodgers returning healthy in Green Bay. Mike McCarthy, those made a ton of changes in his coaching staff. They don't make the playoffs. They go into to uh, okay. We got to we got to get this right right now because we got this quarterback who is Hall of Fame caliber and still has a lot of good years left. We got to make the changes now. And Mike Zimmer back with a great defense, star players on that side of the ball, but they got to sort out the quarterback position and hire an offensive coordinator. How it all fits with the Bears moving forward in 2018? These are big changes across the board. 
Well, you know, there's no team within the division has all the pieces in place. And so I don't think that's why, you know, Green Bay doesn't have any more of an advantage. I, yes, I, Aaron Rodgers, he's the best player in the division. I, I, I will take that. But they have coaching change. And when Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy about the change at the quarterback position, the, the guy that affects and spends most time with him, you know, is he starting out the season unhappy or ready? Or is he, does he believe that the changes will be made that will, will fit him fine? So I think it's a really interesting division to watch throughout the offseason and early in next season to see what coaching staff can put it all together the quickest. And, Tom, in addition to the coaches, there's going to be changes in the strength and conditioning and, and the training for the Chicago Bears in 2018. Uh, that also impacts these guys. Is your second and third year is when you should be developing in terms of the physical aspect, putting on some good lean muscle, making yourself stronger and faster. It's not a small thing, is it? Um, I, you know, I think it should be every NFL player's goal to become stronger year in and year out. It's not always going to happen because eventually you're going to be facing the downside of your career. But I, I need a team that has football strength. And, you know, they're very blessed to have a guy within the facility like Clyde Emmerich because when I came out of high school and out of, the, out of college, I was a weightlifter. I wasn't an athlete lifting weights. And Clyde was able to turn the corner for us, to turn us into athletes that were lifting weights. And I I still believe that strength when you wins you games, and I do think that needs to be an important role in the weight room and in the future of the Bears is where you want a team that's proud of their strength, not using it as a detriment. What's the delineation there, though? Because, you know, the more athletic you are in this league, the better you're going to turn some heads with scouts. Yeah, but the stronger you are, the more you're going to be on the field. The more your body is able to accept the punishments of the game. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creating durability within your structure because of the weights you're lifting that allow you to be on the field week in and week out. And you're always going to be challenged by pulled muscles and everything because that's a, you know, a fatigue factor or, or just you know, too much. But I, I, throughout the history of the NFL, the guys that were the strongest lasted the longest and built the durability into their body. Tom, they had the National Signing Day officially always this uh, Wednesday in February, this time of year. Uh, they had the early date, December 20th, but someone like yourself who dedicated his entire childhood and high school career to getting himself ready to be in a position to take advantage of a scholarship offer and play college football, and you were fortunate enough to get to Notre Dame. You could have gone anywhere. Everybody was looking at you back in the day. But what these kids are are feeling now today as they wrap up all the classes, and again, many committed back on December 20th, but uh, at at a time when the sport is under attack a little bit about decreasing numbers in in the youth game, there's still great interest and great love of football across the board, and, and many people still are playing it and hoping that they can achieve their dreams. Is one of the scariest days of my life. The day you <laughs> sign a letter of intent to go to Notre Dame, I didn't know if I could handle it academically. I didn't know if I was up to the capabilities to go out there and compete with the other athletes they were going to bring it in. And that's when you're challenged the day you get there. So it, it, is, a, it is a great day in a lot of high school, play, high school football players' lives, but now the hard work starts. And you have a, you've been able to accomplish enough to get recognized to the next level. Now see what you do with it. And um, it's, a, it's a great moment in a lot of their lives and a lot of their families' lives who supported these kids to get to this opportunity. But now it's about the kids supporting their family who have taken the time out to go out there and do your best. 
Real quick, do you remember the exact moment they said, son, we want you to play football at Notre Dame, and how quickly did you sign that letter? I was sitting in Dan Devine's office looking at a stack of pictures, and he came back into his office and he said, son, we're going to offer you a scholarship, or do you want to accept it? And I said, well, i got to call home and tell him. Um, and I called home, told him, and I accepted it, and then I canceled my next three visits, and that was it. That was it. And on his way through Notre Dame and the National Football League with the Chicago Bears. Tom, enjoy your time in Maui. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Look forward to it, Jeff. That's going to do it for us tonight here on Bears All Access. I'd like to thank our director of content, Dan Barilli, uh, Herb Lawrence, and Tony Gill on the board. And most of all, we got uh, Chris Tabor back in the house, back in Chicago. Good man right there, the special teams coordinator. And thank you all for listening tonight. For Tom, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Chicago Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, FanDuel, and PNC.